The following episode contains depictions of violence, brutality, and bloodshed, and may not be suitable for all. Listener discretion is advised. This is all Mountain Media. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp.com and PrideCounseling.com. Stay tuned for an exclusive offer for listeners of this podcast. together. You got me this job cutting trees. What is this? Lay down on this table here, Irvin. Nice and quiet now. What? Lay down? Billy, what are you doing? I'm not going to ask you again. Lay down and be still. Oh, okay, Billy. Oh, okay. Just, just don't point that gun at me. Good. Now wrap that rope around your right wrist, Irvin. That's it. Pull it nice and tight. Now straighten those legs out. There you go. You see Weasel over there? Yeah. He's got a gun pointed right at your gut, so don't make any sudden moves while I tie the rest of you down. Now, Irvin, I want you to think hard. I want you to think about your wife. Think about your youngin'. What are June and little Johnny going to do without you? How are they going to survive? I I told you, Billy. I gave you all the money I have. I promised. I ain't got nothing else. I got $400 back in the safe that's yours. But you're making double out here at the lumber mill. Now those trees don't cut themselves. I know you're working hard. And I know you got a few fellows working under you. I hear you're taking some of their keep for yourself. Now I'm going to ask you one more time. Where's the rest of your money? Billy, I swear, I I don't have any more. I've given you all I got. It's a shame to hear that. You see, I talked to June yesterday. She and the missus were at my place having tea. Gossiping and clucking like ladies do. June told my Bessie that you were planning on grabbing a piece of land over in Hoquiam, just off the river near the East Fork. Bessie, being the sweetheart that she is, mentioned the land to me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that land will cost a hell of a lot more than $400. And with the interest you owe me, you're down to just about three and a half C-notes. So, you want to rethink that answer? All right, all right, Billy. I got another 250 under a floorboard. But I swear, I swear that's just for emergencies. I swear it, Billy. Hey, uh, Weasel, grab that kerosene drag saw. Bring it on over here. We got something to show our young friend. What, 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 what are you doing, Billy? I'm thinking this is just a sort of emergency that calls for that 250 you got hiding. Would be a shame to lose an arm, or worse. Think of poor little Johnny growing up under the watch of another man. 
June having to make her living, dancing in the saloons or on the streets. You don't want that now, do you? And I'm willing to bet you got more than 250 hiding. So, where is it? Billy, I don't got any more. All I got is that 650. It's all I got in the world. Hey, Weasel, help me swing this table around here. Billy, no! You had your chance, Irvin. Now shut up. Unless you got something to tell me about the rest of your stash. Okay. Okay, it's not 250. It's 350, but I swear that's it. 350, huh? Well, I'd say that's the cost of a hand. No, Billy, no! Weasel, gag him. No, no, no! that weasel a one-handed lumberjack not sure how he's gonna make it maybe he'll have a hook or a claw billy billy please what's that you uh you want to say something there irvin i got more just just leave the rest of my arm please i think this fool is lying to us weasel i think we ought to pay the bay a visit feed those little fishies in the water yeah he's bound to make a fuss Raising hell in the town, Billy. We gotta shut him up for good. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. Good thing we're out here at the mill. Let's just shut him up right now. Billy, no! Media. I'm your host and writer, Russ Blackmore, and this is Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest, Season 2, Billy Gole, the Ghoul of Grays Harbor. A series about one of the most prolific serial killers in United States history from the small town of Aberdeen, Washington. A killer that nearly got away with murder. This is Episode 3, The Floater Fleet. In May of 1907, the Grays Harbor County coroner had his hands full. Every day, bodies were turning up left and right across the town of Aberdeen and in the outskirts of the city, from the town of Hoquiam down to an area on the Chehalis River known as Cosmopolis. Panic and fear dominated the streets, and the town was shrinking in size. Regardless of cash flow or riches, citizens of Grays Harbor were moving out, and the town began its slow demise into depression. 
As the logging capital of the world in the early 1900s, thousands of workers had called this green land in the hills their home. They had found work, some form of lodging, and even began families, carving out a slice of the American dream that was promised them by their fathers. Immigrants had come from all over the planet, from China to Ireland, from Argentina to the southern tip of the African continent. This was supposed to be the land of opportunity, not the land of missing men. A.C. Gerard, the man in charge of examining the overwhelming amount of corpses, or parts of corpses, was working 24-7 to keep up with the queries of the townsfolk. They wanted answers, although most knew that murder was the reason for the bodies showing up. The plague of capitalism was driving saloon owners, hotel managers, and ship captains away from the north of their moral compass, and missing men, and sometimes women, could not be accounted for. But those that were discovered were analyzed, packaged, and buried in the hills surrounding Grays Harbor. Daily funeral marchers could be seen on Front Street in the town, and women and men dressed in black, sobbing, followed the death carriages that ushered their kin into the next life. Gerard was noted as stating the following in the Grays Harbor Tribune. As long as Aberdeen allows the saloons and dives in which the worthless element carry on their nefarious practices, it may expect to find the bodies of murdered men at any time. Publicly, Gold announced the murders and sinful ways of the city. Rumor had it that he was behind many of the killings, but as politicians and police were a cheap buyout, he stayed at large, walking the streets like the ruler of a kingdom that worshipped his every move. Gold kept just enough funds in the safe to offer his bankers a small percentage of their keep when they asked for it, just to fight off the inevitable questions. Privately, Gold's gang played the underground of crime like a game of chess, thinking five steps ahead, dodging inquiry from privatized investigators, and disposing of bodies in various ways. At one point, the killing became so common that Gold and his gang began to leave corpses in the streets. Their arrogance steered them into a new sense of confidence that had residents running for the hills. But the hills weren't safe. The gang would follow the fleeing citizens and drag them to the bay or to the lumber mills to face their fate. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever felt like you're in a tunnel? The sides are closing in on you. You're unable to escape the overwhelming feelings of unhappiness, anger, worry, or fear. I have, many times. Over the years, I've tried to solve my own problems, lean on myself, and suppress the depression of my past and the anxiety of my future. But then I decided to do something about it. And while I'm still a work in progress, I know that without getting help, those invisible monsters would reach for any opportunity they can to consume me. They still do, but with online therapy, I'm conquering those monsters, and it feels good. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? 
it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better. Because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash PNW. That's betterhelp.com slash PNW. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. The towns of Aberdeen and Hoquiam were the home of dark shipyards and unlit waterfronts. The reflection of the moon off the black water at night was the stuff of endless nightmares. Many passers-by would often wonder, is this where I'll end up someday? Ghosts of the past could be felt on the breeze. The prospect of being murdered at any point caused the skin to tremble. If a sailor or any other worker in town was seen walking alone at night, they would often be scrutinized by onlookers from the surrounding saloons for placing their own lives in the hands of a murderous gang that was waiting for them around the corner. Serves them right. Damn fools walking at night. They're goners for sure. I wouldn't be caught dead out there. And all the while, bodies continued to pile up in the streets and float in from the bay. Between the years of 1906 and 1910, hundreds of supposed drowned men showed up on the shores of Grays Harbor. More often than not, if the bodies were fresh, the marks of blunt force trauma or gunshots could be recognized on the floaters. Sometimes, as in the case of a young man named Ray Burke, the bodies would show up half-eaten by sea creatures that lurked in the shallow waters, nibbled away at by crabs and small fish. Oysters were a massive part of the seafood industry in Grays Harbor, but for some, shuckers took leave of their pursuits in order to avoid coming across a floater. And thus, the bay became known as home to the floater fleet. In February of 1909, after a night of drinking at the saloons, sailor Lars Jorgensen was beaten by unknown assailants and left unconscious and in a position to have been fatally injured killed instantly or maimed for life. He was left on a train track, and should a train pass by, he would surely have perished. But unlike others, Jorgensen survived his beating. 
he somehow made it to the Sailors Union office where he worked with Gohl in an effort to report the incident to the police. Gohl's acting skills were top-notch. He helped Jorgensen report the event and then helped police cover it up once Jorgensen was out of the vicinity. Gohl had a way of switching personalities as quick as a light switch. When needed, he helped the sailors. When under pressure, he'd help the police. And all the while, he'd play the champion of the city, his arrogant gang doing most of his dirty work, but at times committing the murder and assault with his own hands. From January 1st, 1906 to December 31st, 1908, the coroner's office conducted investigations for 145 deaths. The number of investigations grew each year. More notable than the amount of deaths, however, are the findings of A.C. Girard, according to his coroner records. The overwhelming impression one has is that the harbor's logging camps and docks are terribly dangerous places. Once where drownings take place and deaths occur to workers being accidentally hit by a falling tree or accidentally drowning. Intoxication is the drowning point of men as they often will slip and fall into a waterway or perish from an industrial accident. See? Just you today? Where's Campbell? Oh, uh, hey there, Billy. Uh, yeah. Campbell took the day off. We're getting two to three bodies every week. Poor sap was growing weary. I sent him off too soon, though. This fella came in fresh today from the docks. You able to lend me a hand there? You bet. Just tell me what to do. All right, you take the legs. I got the arms. Careful now. He's a bit squishy. Think he was in the drink for at least a week, but I have to find the cause. All right, got a good grip? Ready? One, two, three. Oof, he's a big one. Quite a catch of the day. <laughs> Lord almighty, Billy. You're a dark son of a bitch, aren't you? Sorry, AC. Just got to keep a bright outlook on life when I can. Yeah, well, uh, help me get his trousers and shirt off. All right, let's see. Uh, tilt his head this way near the candlelight, Billy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. You see that mark there on his temple? Looks like a bruising, like he got a rough clubbing before he drowned. Hmm, maybe he passed out and hit the edge of the boat. Yeah, could be, could be. Let's look at his stomach. I see some longer marks across the torso, and there's a little puncture hole. 
You see those? Near the slip and skin. Oh yeah, looks like Mark's left from a squid. Billy, we've not seen squid in these parts. I don't think that's what we're looking at. All right, let's flip them over. Jesus, you see that AC? Oof, yeah, I see that. Oof, little crabs crawling out of his back. Boy, you smell that? And look at that hole. That can't be from the side of a boat. I call this a murder of passion. But notice where the hole is, just off to the lower side near the kidney. He could have survived this gunshot with the exit wound, a clean shot through and through. Now, stay with me here, AC. What if he was just careless and fell on one of those spears they used to haul in the nets? Couldn't that cause the wound? I don't know, Billy. I suppose you could be right. Much more likely than a gunshot, although I keep hearing stories of gun battles on boats. What a world we live in. AC, I think this fella drowned. I'd bet my life on it. I've seen puncture wounds like this, and it looks old. Like maybe those critters opened it back up when he fell in. Yeah, this roughneck drowned of his own accord, I'm sure of it. Well, I gotta send word over to the Aberdeen Globe for tomorrow's issue. Let's go with drowning. I think that's the right move here. We gotta keep the townsfolk calm. Say, I got another body just brought in. You mind having a look with me, Billy? You sure got a keen eye for this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's see what you got. In the hot months of June 1907, Goal was frequenting his friend A.C. Gerard when a body was brought into the coroner's office. The drowning victim was identified as J. Edward Jacobson, a sailor that had fallen from the J.M. Witherwax, a small schooner that was seen in Grace Harbor from time to time. It took four months for his body to surface, and when it did, it was severely decomposed. However, Goal, familiar with the workers of the docks and almost every sailor, was able to identify it, and thus the cover-up continued. Goal was outwardly a man of repose and trustworthiness, proving to the public that his involvement in identifying and helping the coroner gave him the characteristic of one in support of the people. But that dark shadow that gleamed in his eye was always present, always lurking, hungry for more. Was A.C. Gerard, the Grace Harbor coroner, on the take from Goal? Out of the 145 supposed drownings between the years of 1906 and 1908, he and his partner Campbell determined that only five were worth an inquest of any sort. Were they paid off? Were they threatened? Were they part of the scam? We will never know the truth, but with the tides of murder and mayhem rolling in, it is understandable that fear played a major factor in the determinations in causes of death. (laughs) 
During these years, Gold remained a free man, avoiding accusations of murder, although the citizens were now of the public opinion that the floater fleet was mostly due to his evil ways. Public officials didn't state that the floater fleet deaths resulted from murder. The coroner's office records gave the best evidence, convincing authorities that a violent crime wave was simply not possible. Nor was it possible that Aberdeen and the surrounding area could be home to a serial killer. Untimely deaths took place on the harbor due to societal and brutal systems of industrialization and entrepreneurship that killed workers on the job. Unsafe conditions, incurable diseases, poverty-level existences, these were all assumed to be the culprit of the vast amount of death. The area encouraged the abuse of alcohol, offering many the chance to escape their own reality in the embrace of the bottle. And safeguards were not employed in the city's red light district. Murders, kidnappings, Without the watchful eye of the authorities, it was anyone's game. But citizens were scared, and the streets became more empty, causing an easy passage for the deceitful champion of the sailor. If there was indeed a ghoul of Grey's Harbor, he didn't dress like the commoner. No, this killer wore a top hat, smoked the finest cigars, and was a part of the Chamber of Commerce and State Legislature. This killer was a connoisseur of the finer things in life. This episode is sponsored by Pride Counseling. We live in a world of mystery, of unanswered questions, of constant bombardment from endless opinions and mostly from questions within ourselves. I've taken advantage of online therapy and have seen the benefits as a professional, a father, a spouse, and a friend. And without the help from online counseling, I would most likely still be stuck in the ruts of uncertainty and bleakness. We all struggle with our own true nature at one point or another, or we know someone who has. Therapy can be the difference between happiness and overwhelming darkness. Pride Counseling is affordable, private online counseling for the LGBTQIA community. You can get access to licensed, trained, fully accredited counselors and therapists that are LGBTQIA friendly. These counselors and therapists have at least three years of experience, at least 2,000 hours of hands-on experience, and are qualified and certified by their state's professional board. All you need to do is go to pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Fill out a questionnaire, get matched with the counselor who is perfect for you, and you can start counseling today. It's more affordable than in-person counseling. And if you can't afford counseling, there is financial aid available that you can apply for. You get unlimited 24-7 messaging with your counselor, meaning you're connected with a counselor the entire time via your phone or computer, and you can schedule live video, phone, or text sessions with your counselor as well. 
With Pride Counseling, you're not wasting time traveling, and if you don't vibe with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch. Best of all, you connect from the comfort of your home. Half the battle of getting into counseling is getting to the counselor, and Pride Counseling eliminates that hassle. Plus, a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community are not comfortable talking to a therapist in person out of fear of discrimination, or perhaps they just don't have access to a therapist that specializes in what they're struggling with. With Pride Counseling, you can connect with an LGBTQIA counselor from anywhere. And as a special offer to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. That's P-N-W-P-O-D. Again, that link is pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Thank you to Pride Counseling for sponsoring this podcast. A sophisticated man of the upper deck had fooled the town. Even though heads would glance his way with accusing looks behind their eyes, he would continue to lure men in, entrusting their money to his safe, creating a warm and welcoming feeling to those few that ventured into town, despite the rumors of horror and death that surrounded the town of Aberdeen. At times, Gol would not remain silent about his endeavors and victims, but would turn their deaths into a platform to attack saloon owners and hotel managers. Many of his so-called fallen friends would turn up again as a new wave of floaters drifted to shore. Small taxi boats known as traps would often be the last place many of these men were seen, and Gol, who in turn had his own way of stealing and then killing the poor souls, felt the pressure of others creeping in on his territory. Are the traps set for the purpose of giving the janitor a chance to get rid of the refuse? Are they there in order to evade the officers on Sundays so that booze may be lowered into a skiff? Or are they there to accommodate some poor sailor or logger by giving him a free ride along the Wishka River? The Sailors' Union is right in asking for lights on the wharves and docks. Life is more sacred than the cost of lights, and the council committee in charge of the matter will doubtless so decide. But Gohl's ambitions were not met by the council. The wharves remained dark. The docks remained unsafe. He would raise the eyes of skepticism by committing his murders as a shadow lingering in the darkness. The kidnappings remained constant. Gol would continue his crusade to stop the would-be murders from happening. Was this for his own benefit or the benefit of those that fall victim to his snake oil safety? Gol would often recall memories of his early days, connecting with innocent sailors and winning them over with his sleek and devious ways. My experience on F Street has been of a sort that certainly was sufficient to convince me that there are good and bad saloons. 
The fact remains that we will not lose anything should the dive be killed, and with it, the parasites that foster within. Everything in our power will surely be done to help bring about the extermination of the fall trap and the dive. Not only was Gold playing the champion, he was using his fame as a man of the people to get what he wanted. Riches, fame, glory, and power. But perhaps it was more than these things. Perhaps he was intent on fulfilling a carnal need. A need to dominate. A need to destroy. A need to imprison. Or perhaps, a need to kill. Next time, on Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest, the dark shadow in Gull's eyes takes total possession of his soul as he dons the nickname Butcher of the Bay. His gang turns on him. His wife leaves him. His need for blood overtakes his need for riches. Billy Gull is about to become the most notorious serial killer in Washington State, and perhaps the entire country. Land of the free, home of the dead. Thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of Billy Goal, The Ghoul of Grace Harbor. If you like the show, please give it a 5-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends and your family. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dialogue used in this episode is not necessarily accurate, but it is based on extensive research and events portrayed throughout the episode. Don't forget to visit our sponsors, BetterHelp.com and PrideCounseling.com. Visit the links in the show notes and receive 10% off your first month. Or you can visit BetterHelp.com PNW and PrideCounseling.com PNWPod. Make your 2022 a year to make changes for yourself and for your loved ones. Don't put it off. For Old Mountain Media, I'm your host, Russ Blackmore, writer, producer, and sound engineer. Special thanks to my dear friend Kira Rugen for arranging our closing music. You can learn more about Kira and her music at kirarugen.com. See you next time as we dive deeper into the world of Billy Gole, the ghoul of Grays Harbor. <laughs>